for their for their launch of Girl Guide cookie season. Right. And they set up outside the various and sundry dispensaries. Um, dispensaries <laughs> and one kid sold 33 cases. Oh, now, how wow. the hell do you sell 33 right. cases of cookies? This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. This is the Christmas show, right? Nope. No. Oh. Yeah, sorry. No tequila. Yet. No, te- <laughs> <laughs> no tequila for this. Oh, wait, can I get a banter banter? Like, what's going on? Banter banter. What? What? Sorry. Sorry, I just saw an email. Steve's checking his email. He saw a Pokemon right, on the floor. <laughs> Squirrel. Pokey. Oh, yeah, Pokemon. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Robin O. And no, it's as- not. And yes, it is. Nope. Clearly, it is. Nope. You're in a what? different spot today. No, he's in the same spot. Oh, no. is he? Well, well, roughly in the same spot. No, because he generally, when I'm yeah, so on the food, I'm I, Rob Minot. I, I lays out on the, oh, stretch out onto the whole futon. I'm a little annoyed that I have to sit up for this you episode. You share your seat. <laughs> oh, but Would you like me to leave? No, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> the sacrifices we all have to make in order to make. Uh, joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good morning. Uh, Steve Barkley. There's no such thing as a good morning. And... <laughs> Returning after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, Mr. Rick Chant from Chaos Technical Services. Give me coffee. And the jungles of Africa. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. the jungles of Africa. The wilds. Returning from the wilds. Yep. How, long were you, how long were you in Africa for? 22 days the whole trip. Wow. Nice. 23 days the whole trip. Mm. Highly recommended. Yeah. Loved it. Did you get attacked by monkeys? Uh, no, but I saw it, and uh, that's not quite true. I've got a picture of a monkey sitting on a car <laughs> stealing somebody's windshield wipers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little bastard. That's funny. What are they going to do with windshield wipers? Smack other monkeys with I guess, them. I guess <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I guess it can come in handy for a tool of some sort. Probably. Pick through garbage with them. Yeah. Hmm. Fend off lions. Hmm. Make, no. <laughs> make banana kebabs. <laughs> it's like fondue, fondue. <laughs> with the windshield wiper okay all right well we've already digressed wildly off uh off topic we had a topic yeah well hey that's close i had fruit yes you did oh nice <laughs> idea. i see what you did there all right well let's uh let's talk about what we're doing today right all right today our topic is going to be apple apple Products, repairs, the whole gambit. Yeah, we often get, uh, well, I shouldn't say often. I should say we, we occasionally get uh, emails from people who are, who are Apple consumers. They're in the, they're in the, they're in the Apple ecosystem um, that, that generally want us to, to talk a little bit about Apple and what's going on with them. 
Uh, so we thought we would... Uh, <laughs> Generally, don't they want us to do that in a positive way? <laughs> well, listen. It's, We're going to try. I, to I know, looked at the headlines, and this really seriously looks like it's lining up to be a crap on Apple episode. It, it really isn't. It looks like that, but it's not because, you know, it's it's a concern for the, the consumers. Apple consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're know, just trying to, trying to bring to light, bring it forward. That's right. And honestly, uh, you know, this this is all going on with Apple, but it's not like Google. It's not like Microsoft, you know, Samsung. Yeah, it's the, not like any of those are above doing this as well. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's actually an, an important consumer issue for everybody because if Apple gets away with it. Oh, yeah. I think cause once one dominoes oh, fall. Yeah. Well, sure. the rest of them are going to follow suit, right? Well, and I think Apple is a little bit different, though, because Apple actually has the retail stores. And in one of our news articles, that's one of the issues when it comes to repairs. Google doesn't have storefronts. You know, Microsoft has some, but, you know, Apple's kind of in a category of their own. Right. Why, don't, why don't we back yeah. up and, and we'll reframe this because we're sort of yeah, we're, 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 we're vague booking right now. Yeah, and we're already chomping at the bit to talk about a lot of this stuff because yeah. uh, it, it's, a, it's a passion. Um, and we're just, we're just tickling the audience with a feather right now because we're... With a windshield wiper. Tickle, tickle. <laughs> uh, but hey, hey, you know what? Uh, I do have a little piece of news that I want to talk about, so let's do some news. Now, this is a local story. Um, so it, uh, anyone that is not in Canada, you know, just skip ahead to our, our Apple talk. But um, the B.C. government has shifted accessible parking requirements to local governments. I think starting December 10th. That's right. Yeah. Uh, as of December 10th, the province will remove the requirement for accessible parking at residential and commercial buildings from the 2018 building code and shift the responsibility to municipalities. Now, that's scary. Removing it from the building code. Yeah. This is a big deal. Absolutely. This is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, we could be losing disabled parking spots. Yeah, this is a step backwards. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it boggles my mind, you know, especially, you know, three, you know, three weeks ago we were talking with Rick Hansen yep. um, all about how, you know, the steps that we've we've sort of taken forward with accessibility. And this this comes out of nowhere. I, I was gobsmacked when, when Ryan sent this to me. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, a lot of the people who are obviously against these changes are saying that, this is not only is this going to muddy the requirement or uh, sorry, it's going to water down the requirements. Um, it's going to make it extremely confusing. You, you're going to drive over a city limit and you're going to have a completely different um, set of regulations. If you're going from Burnaby to Coquitlam or, you know, Vancouver to Richmond. Well, the other, the other side from another perspective altogether is if you've got somebody who is not disabled and they park in a disabled spot, and they get a ticket, if it's provincial, they don't get their license renewed until all their infractions are paid for. That's a really good but point. But that ticket will be invalid now as of the 10th. Well, yeah, no, no. Right. What, what I'm saying is, you know, the ones that are, are out there now mm -hmm. um, that have had tickets for parking in disabled parking spots. They're going to have to pay that to the city. They have to pay, well, they have to pay it to the province yet, but yeah, I, Ultimately, what's going to happen are the municipalities are going to be responsible for it. And, well, we know what collecting Ticket. fines for parking tickets and stuff like that. The municipalities are great at stuff like that, aren't they? No. I, um, I didn't I didn't read that in this article. Did did it say something specifically about enforcement? Because if you're, if you're parked in a, in a disabled stall, 
um, you are. And you get an infraction, it's still provincial so far as I know. But they're but they're, they're getting once, rid of those regulations once, on the tenth. Yeah, once the tenth rolls no, around, no, they're getting rid of they're getting rid of the requirement in the building code. Oh, I see. To include to, disabled parking spaces. exactly in residential and commercial right. developments. Uh, that doesn't change anything about enforcement of existing mm. spots. Oh, okay. To my knowledge. Okay. Well, yeah, may, might, maybe I'm incorrect. But yeah, I'm just scanning the article right now, and you're right. It doesn't yeah, say anything about enforcement, but that could be just they have, they haven't even actually considered that yet, but. So I wonder if the municipalities like already have some sort of, you know, clause stating that you have to have disabled parking, or is it just right now a free for all like that doesn't exist? I think that's going to depend on the municipality, and mm-hmm. and you know if you look at a municipality like Vancouver and how they stack up next to the provincial building codes, in a lot of cases they exceed them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got specific requirements that are specific to Vancouver that say, okay, you know, you've got to do this and this over and above what's what's listed in the BC building code. Right. So one municipality might choose to, you know, either continue. Adopt the current building code on top of what they've already got. Right. Or they might even improve on it. Mm. Whereas another might say, yeah, we don't really need it. Right. You know, not do it. And I expect. This would probably break down a lot around urban-rural lines as well. Mm-hmm. You know, urban centers would probably have more, and rural places would probably have less. You know, just viewing it as, as saying, well, well, you know, we don't we don't have as much of a requirement for it as they do in, you know, a big city like Vancouver. So long, long and the short of it is, it's going to be really inconsistent mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of the day. Well, and, and what surprises me is the fact that they did this at all. It seems to me like we had a system <laughs> yeah. that was working just, well, just fine for years, yeah. and all of a sudden they went, well, you know what? No, let's let's make it the municipality's responsibility rather than having it in one spot that is a catch-all for everybody. They, well, they've, they've completely made it more of, a, of just a bureaucratic mess this way. Well, maybe on December 10th, you know, we'll get more information, we'll get more news. Because like I said, this came out of left field, and, you know, I've seen nothing about this, and maybe you know the Rick Hansen Foundations and other groups have have been aware of this change coming. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's obviously been know. on a back burner somewhere for some time. I, they don't just don't yeah, walk don't into an office one morning and, and say, "Okay, we're going to change this." Right. Yeah. Presumably, it had to be driven by somebody. Right. So, somebody somewhere along the way decided yeah. they wanted to oppose the way it was currently and managed to convince the provincial government. Right. But. But I, I can't it's see a, anybody. It's a strange decision. It's mm-hmm. a really strange. Uh, yeah. it, it is, and I can't it's backwards. See, I can't yeah. see anybody looking at this and going, "Well, this is better than what we've had. This is going to be more efficient. This is going to make more sense." It 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 just doesn't. No. Yeah, strikes strikes me. It's probably developer driven. They want those extra two parking spots. <laughs> yeah, because they can sell those extra mm-hmm. two parking spots. Long and the short of it. You know, so, you know, what I'm curious about is going forward, what is that process going to be like? So a new building is going up. They have, they have absolutely no, um, they, they are not required at all. To by, include, by code. By code to include. Correct. Spots. Unless the municipality says they do. But, but I mean, I mean, imagine once the, once the property is developed and built, then does the municipality step in and they're like, okay. No, because well, the now- municipality is the one that signs on the, uh, the, 
They say to the developer, the okay, yes, you can build. Mm -hmm. I see. Right? So they can, if, if the requirements for the permits are not met, then they won't sign off on the permit. So a, a municipality could literally just say, yeah, you know, just don't worry about it. They could. They, they could. could. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. But they could also say, if you don't have uh, four handicap spots, you know, next to your entrance, we won't sign off on your occupancy. Right. So it, it can go either way, but I think we all know which way it's likely to go in a lot of places. Right. And he the, who has the deepest pockets makes the, makes the decision. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, you, you know, it's a, it, the article is exactly right. What it's going to build into it is just an inconsistency. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a, a wheelchair user um, and, you know, it's, you're going to have a radically different experience if you go to Coquitlam than if you go to Vancouver. Or, that's correct. Yep. You well, know, imagine if that's, you're trying that's so frustrating. Imagine if you're trying, if you're trying to, you know, find a place to live, you know, and there's very little vacancy in, in most of the lower right. mainland. Right. You know, you're going to be limited to where you can live based on parking, parking stalls if you're in a chair, you know. Ugh. Ridiculous. Yep. Definitely not an improvement. No. Way to go, NDP. <laughs> Doing your ride sharing too. Oh well, do we want to talk? No, you know no, what, no, a, no, no. <laughs> Let's get back to the program Are you sure, because that's you know what this is. This is an important issue with for for you know people mm. definitely taxi right. mafia. Taxi mafia. That's <laughs> obviously what they're bringing in. Five hundred yeah. more cab licenses. They're still not going to get you after two a.m. from downtown to Port Coquitlam. They yeah. refuse to take people out there. It makes no sense to me. Yep. You know, it just makes no sense. There's no transit. And you can't get a cab. You know, uh, just don't get me started on. I'm so glad I just stay at home. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's just ludicrous. Like yeah, we're I, I agree. in North America, a major center like Vancouver still doesn't have ride sharing. <laughs> okay, well, so can you, you can know? you do? Does anybody have the the gist of what the announcement was that they announced last week? Yes, the long and the short of it is the uh, ride sharing drivers need to have special insurance and a class four driver's permit. Same to be, as a taxi. To be able to tote people around in their car right which is which is a huge deal like getting a class four license i mean, I mean and, oh, and and every five years the driver has to have a physical but i also think at additional cost i also think they said that the uber drivers have to be like the cab driver so let's say you're a surrey taxi driver you can drop somebody off in vancouver but you can't pick up in vancouver well i, I didn't get that out of the no i think i think i saw that too hmm. which is ludicrous Ludicrous, but I mean these requirements. Essentially, <laughs> it, it's going to make you know drivers just very rare. Well, like, no well gonna Uber's wanna... already said no. This ain't going to work for us. We need to, we need to talk this out. Yeah, you know, it's we just we can't. Like, it, it's yeah, not I a mean, business it's... model for them. So they've they've what they put is put it unrealistic standards mm -hmm. in order to make the ride sharing companies go. Yeah, well that doesn't. They really want work. Well, that's exactly to be a what taxi done. company okay. is what they do. Okay, that's exactly what they've done. So it's a you know it's it's a sneaky way of of you know, saying no. Well, and they were they, saying... They know the demand is high, so they, they, they know they can't say, no, we're not right. going to have it. They just have to make the... the requirements, the requirements so ridiculous. high. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <clears throat> That's crazy. Oh, well, I don't know how many I people come to this city saying, you know, you guys don't have Uber? Oh, I know. <laughs> or Lyft? Oh, I know. Yeah, I hear it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. World it's class city. It is. It's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's Vancouver people and it's raining <laughs> and, and it's raining no, no, in the middle no. of a winter storm it's not right raining now. and it, we've got 
cab, pissing out there. Yeah, and we've got cab drivers who are refusing service to people with guide dogs. We've yep. got cab drivers who are refusing to transport people from one part of the city to another part of the city because it's too far. Yep. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. They, they hang on. Hang on. on short trips. Yeah. We had a party at Discovery in Stanley Park, mm -hmm. and we called seven taxis, and none of them came. Uh. Oh, we don't like going into the park at night. Steve and I went to a jam one night. Military base in the park, and the military can't get a mm -hmm. cab to come in yep. and yep. take them out to a SkyTrain station mm -hmm. so they don't have to walk the park? Yeah. Yeah, you hear stories all the time. All you gotta do is just Google it. You know, there's people waiting four hours in the rain for a cab. You know, Steve and I went to a jam one night, and I don't know, but we wait two, three hours for a cab. Went yeah. back to your place, and Steve made me like a two a.m. pizza. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I almost stayed the night. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Ludicrous. Absolutely ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm just fed up with yeah. the taxi. Plus, cars. when you call them, it's like, oh, we were there. No, yeah. We, <laughs> we yeah. were standing outside. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We were literally standing outside waiting the entire time. You were not there. Yeah. One of your taxi drivers is lying. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to know which one. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So if any of you out there want to become my new driver, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, fifty take home a year. I'll do it for you. <laughs> man, maybe no. you're right. This doesn't bode well for the Apple news. Now we're on bad news. This yeah, we're already, bad news. We're already surly. <laughs> These are all terrible news stories. We should have a. Well, we should have I a mean, it's ten o'clock on a Monday morning. I mean, Christ, you guys, what do you expect? I'm gonna find a feel-good news article so we can talk about something non-hostile for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe we better. Well, okay, let's get we... back to it's National Cake Day. Oh, <laughs> right. National Cake Day. That's right. What? Squirrel. Squirrel. What's your favorite cake? Pineapple what? upside down. Cheese? <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that not a cake? That's a cake, it right? Is, yeah. yeah, so cheesecake. There's yeah. a little place in Ladysmith. Ladysmith, right on the main drag that sells the best cheesecake. Oh, really? It's the best I've ever had. Hmm. And it's not heavy. She whips it. Hmm. Uh -huh. Before she puts it into the shell? Yeah, that's oh, the key. my yeah, God. Key. It's to die for. Mm, I'm going to try that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. All right, shall we begin uh, we our Apple try. discussion? Yeah, let's try. Um, 
Well, what do we, should we? Should, <laughs> I feel I feel like we should preface this somehow because again, we have we have audience members that are that are big fans of Apple mm -hmm. that are in the ecosystem. Apple's done a lot. I can preface it for you. Okay, go. On the way home from Africa, we stopped in Hong Kong for six days. Um, while we were out wandering around in Hong Kong, regularly down towards the Central Pier, uh, a pedway walked uh, across in front of the Apple Store in downtown on Hong Kong Island. Mm -hmm. And I was dumbstruck, and I mean dumbstruck, by the amount of people in there every time we walked across that pedway. Yep. I mean, hundreds, hun two floors, and all you could see were wall-to-wall -wall people. Well, hey, listen, I mean, you can, you go to Metrotown here in Vancouver and uh, There's you know, always go, go the by Apple the Apple store, and, and yeah. it's always packed. Yeah, yeah, Coquitlam Center. Same packed. Place. Yep. yep, sure. Packed. Sure. So... You know, Apple is... They've got their grip on consumers. There's no question. Right. Well, we've talked about before, you know, there is there is a, a cult of Apple. Like Absolutely. People who are just Apple fanatics. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But now Apple is tightening the thumb screws on the third-party app developers. Well, they, they've... Yes. They, okay, they well, haven't just yeah, tightened the thumb screws on them. There are no third-party app developers for Apple. You can't you can't get an app onto an Apple product unless it's through their apps. Right, right. That's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. That's what I mean. Uh, sorry, I, okay, I guess so, I misspoke. So, okay, why don't we start? Well, let's start there then. <laughs> let's let's start talking about the um, the class action lawsuit that's that's uh, in front of the Supreme Court um, at the moment. And as of today, actually, the Supreme Court is actually <laughs> hearing this. This is a this is a I guess a hearing to see whether or not a a lawsuit could go forward. Class this isn't action. the actual. Class this isn't lawsuit. the actually the lawsuit. The case in point is that the way that the Apple Store works is that when a an app developer builds an app and puts it on the App Store, Apple takes a thirty percent commission off the price of that app. Right. So if your app is selling for a buck twenty nine. What's thirty percent of that? That a buck. Taken. A buck. Oh no, no, 30, 30 cents. Why would More you math. start at a buck twenty nine? Like, yeah, thanks. Why, thanks why for making me do like really here, hard buddy. math. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, really. Well, because that's what their apps are. Well, okay, they're ninety nine cents. What's thirty percent of? <laughs> they're not ninety nine cents so much anymore. So prices went up. So okay, so a buck, a, a buck thirty app. <laughs> the developer gets a dollar, and Apple gets thirty cents. Right. No, a buck app. Apple, oh, Apple gets thirty cents. Okay. Fine. Three, okay. Three, six of, uh, a third. Uh, they get a third. Thirty point nine. <laughs> Almost a third of of. See, and now Apple's argument is, well, that's not us. We're like we're not charging the consumer that. That's we're charging the developer that. Now, if the developer has to recoup <coughs> costs and make their app more expensive to the end user because of that thirty percent, they know they're going to get thirty. You know, thirty percent off the top. They might make their app four bucks instead of you know a dollar so that and apple's probably fine with that because that means well, they, they, you know, yeah, that's apple exactly right all of a sudden yeah. their 30 cents goes to a dollar 20 yeah right right part of, part of the issue around this and it, this all gets really into you know deep legality that that you know none of us have the brain power to really sort through but 
the the gist of of it that i get is that there there are specific specifications around brick and mortar retailers that have been around since the 70s and that there's there's a there's a difference between the the apple platform and a, a regular brick and mortar you know distribution retail outlet traditional brick and mortar the way that it work is that you would you would buy a product from a, a manufacturer you'd bring it into your store and then you would you would sell that you're acting as a as a as distributor of a product is that how i'm supposed to be doing it <laughs> that's right dealer yes now apple's argument is that they don't necessarily operate like that they people people are buying their the app from the developer not from apple like Apple is just saying, hey, look, our platform is just a go-between between the consumer and the developer. Yeah. Right. We're not... We're the you know, broker. We're Yeah, exactly. And so, <clears throat> you know, we're not... We're not charging the you know the consumer this. So, the, so they're trying to get around this idea of antitrust um, this way. And what the Supreme Court is, is sort of looking at is whether or not they agree with, with Apple or if they agree with... Um, you know, the, the filers of the suit, you know, you can proceed in, in this antitrust suit. Part of the problem is that the, you know, these, these platforms, you know, they're, they're trying to use this, this old legislation that's, that was really built around, you know, physical brick and mortar establishments. You know, the, the idea of these tech platforms, these, yeah, a go, somebody going into a store and physically buying something. Yes and walking out with it in their hand. You know, I, I think what you're going to find is that the legislation behind those really needs to catch up. Well, I think the implications for Apple um, might be a little different than other uh, groups like this. Because, for example, um, Google, if you go on the Android platform, you can get third-party apps from other sources. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, you probably have to go into your phone and tell your phone to accept them, because by default, your phone's... Always has had to. Yeah, your phone's security is going to say, no, no, you, you don't want to... Saltillo makes an app that, that is not a Google app, yeah. and you have to go in and say, allow apps from third-party yeah. uh, manufacturers. Right. You have no choice, yeah. or it won't run. Yeah, but with <laughs> Apple, there's no way of doing that. Right, right. correct. You have to go through the app store. Right. Correct. So, so they do have really a, a hard lockdown of their market. There is no other way... That right, you, that you're able to sell an app to Apple, and and that's maybe jailbreak your phone or well, or yeah, or something, right? yeah, sure. Which, and, and therein lies, I yeah. think, the the fundamental question of this is that's right. You know, are they uh, are they a monopoly, right. and you know what what does that mean in terms of you know anti antitrust? That's right. Yeah. So so again, this is this is an important suit because. Um, what what gets decided could really you know spell the future for what the Apple Store is going forward, and whether or not you know they're going to be able to lock down that platform like they like they have been, or maybe they might have to do something like like Google is doing. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the court come down on this. I you know I I, th I think this is a really interesting test case because if this goes forward, then there's all the parameters around what their ruling actually says. And if they're, they're going to have to be pretty specific in, in their ruling, I think, and they generally are, because once you have this, if this goes through, then you have people starting to look at, okay, well, you know, does, does Google have too much of a control over yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. You and know? there can't be any ambiguity 
Yeah. And then on, on, on what the ruling is. Yeah. And then you start looking at stores like Amazon that charges retailers, a what I think about a 15% uh, cut on, on sales, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is part of a new paradigm that is still working its way through the courts to determine, you know, how best to do business. But with old laws. Yeah. Right? So as yeah. they go, they're going to have to be updating that too. Exactly. So I can't see this being a, a short-term, you know, ruling, this is how it's going to be going forward. Well, like there's there's a, going to be a whole lot of stuff going on in the background about this. I think it yeah. said in the article that this case if it goes to court wouldn't happen until june of next year anyway that's right you know we'll have to wait and see Mm -hmm. this sort of plays into the other stuff that we're going to be talking about today about apple and just how locked down apple products are yep right Um, to fix it this is this is right you know this is exactly the same thing you know they want and you know, what I'll throw out to the room is that, you know, can you see Apple's point in doing this? So, for example, like not allowing third-party apps to run on your device. Having one source for all apps. Every app that goes through the onto the Apple Store, they get to look at. They get to make sure that it's going to run well. It is going to make sure that it's there's no viruses. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. It's not a bad model, and, and, you know, they've, I think, probably managed to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that, that have happened to platforms like Windows, say, for example, where it, it is kind of the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Well, I read, I read an article just over the weekend where Google, they had to remove, I think, 14 apps from the Google store because it came out, it was all from the same developer, right. all came out that it was all malware. Yeah. The, 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 the actual app didn't even work. The user would try to open it and it would just crash immediately because all it was doing, it was just serving malware to their phones. Huh. So, you know, perfect example of what, ha- what can happen when, with an open platform like Google Play. Yeah, yeah. and you see, I think that's where Apple is going to come at some of this argument from is that 30% that we're charging the developer that is a service-based charge because we are indeed making sure that it's going to run on the various Apple platforms. And we are indeed hosting, you know, the site that that you put your app up on so people can download it. And we are indeed standing behind the fact that you've downloaded the app. Oh, it's not working. We'll refund your money. So I, I think that's going to also weigh into all the deliberations that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to have to way out right i mean from a technical point of view that that kind of doesn't you know i, I have to say it doesn't sound well, i like all it from far fetched i like it from a technical I mean, point of view that sounds right i mean it, i mean that that way you know that every single app that's getting installed on your products has been vetted is, is going to work has mm-hmm. been vetted uh you know it's not going to create any you know compatibility issues yep. um you know, I think that at its core, it's it's not a bad idea. Right. Yeah. From a consumer perspective, it's it's entirely a positive. Right. Except for the fact maybe that it might bump up the cost of your app a bit, but but at least there's. But is that value added service? Yeah, that's right. There's there's at least some security in that. You know. So, you know, it's interesting your your Google example. I did read that that article a while back, and um, um, you know those those apps made it onto their store yeah. before they were discovered. Yep. That's right. That, they, that wouldn't happen with Apple. That's right. Exactly. 
So, um, you know, there, there are two sides to this. Absolutely. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, how much control should the, the company have over its products once they've sold it to consumers? Well, that's, well, that's, and that's where we're going to get into, story. right? So, you know, and, and really the next topic that, that we want to talk about, it's going to be a long conversation, I think. And it's, it's really all, all pretty much similar, which is, um, well, who, I don't know, who wants to frame it? You could even run the CBC video if you want, because I don't think it was that long, if I recall. But the yeah, this is from the National. How are you? I have an appointment at two thirty. So we've got hidden camera footage here. Our team came to a Toronto Apple store with a MacBook computer that had a common problem: the screen had stopped working. It's like very dim when I try to turn it on. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll jump out the back and have a look on the inside. Sure. Time passes. All right, thank you for your patience. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of liquid that's gotten on the inside. Um, so I took a little picture. Um, the little red dots here, they're normally white, and it means that they've come in contact with liquid. So for it to be basically all over the whole computer, it means that it, um, something's gone through the whole thing. Um, so with that, we'd need to be looking at replacing quite a few components. Um, Are you sure it's, uh, could it be something else as well? Well, regardless of what the cause of it is, if it isn't the liquid, we have to fix the liquid. So it's not, uh, like we can't do partial repairs when it's been damaged by something. So what are my options now? This, oh, well, what I was going to say is basically all the components that we need to replace is going to cost more than $1,000. So To fix it entirely will yeah. cost more than $1,000? Yeah. So it, the very least we'd need to replace is the logic board and the top case. So that we're looking at 600 plus 500, doing so $1,100 with a labor of 100. And then if we need to replace the display as well, that's another 780. Oh, jeez. So $1,900 later. The display we may not need to replace, but we're still looking at a total of around $1,200. Wow. So just to be clear, there's no cheaper alternative for this? Um, I mean, that, that cost is very close to the cost of buying a new computer. In terms of fixing it in the store, no. So this is a MacBook Pro that uh, Apple, uh, the Apple store said would t cost $1,200 to fix and wasn't worth doing. All right, let's take a look and oh, see yeah. if that's true. See, see, you can see the Apple logo. Talking to the microphone there. Now watch, if I take a light and I put it through there, you'll actually be able to see everything on the screen. So this is my microscope light. On the back, yep. And when I put it right through here, you can see that there's a cursor there and that it's moving. So most right. of the screen is working properly. It's just that the, the backlight is not working. Correct. This could be either due to a bad screen, a bad motherboard, bad cable. Uh, we'll figure that out once we open it up. Okay, so this guy's disassembling this, this MacBook. Now, right, strictly so speaking, is that legal? According to Apple, no. Yeah. Now, this is where the screen is going to connect to the computer. So we're watching a so crime taking place here. So the first thing I'd want to do is area of it to see what it looks like. See the, see the pin that's sticking out? Okay. So that pin is actually most likely the pin for the backlight. And as you can see, it's probably not making contact because it's bent outwards. And I got my set of tweezers over here, and I'm just going to try to push that back into the slot and try to get it back into its groove so that when I re-plug in the connector, it'll work. At the Apple store, they suggested this was water damage. 
Well, you can see that there are water indicators that have turned red, so that's right. why they got that idea, and they're by the battery. So this, this is a water indicator, uh, and these, these turn red when they see liquid. Moisture, However, the thing not here liquid. is that these not only turn red when they see liquid, they also turn red anytime there's humidity. So if you have this in a very Moisture. humid room, all of these sensors will turn, even if you've never spilled liquid on the machine. <laughs> Great. So let's plug this back in. Huh. And Didn't know that. Hope for the best. All right. As you can see, we've got an apple, and we have mm -hmm. a light. So it's, it's fixed. Yeah. Now that, that took you like one and a half minutes. Maybe. <laughs> so if I walked in off the street with this problem, what would you charge to for the repair you just did? If somebody wanted me to just bend the pin back, I wouldn't charge them for that. I would say I'm gonna rework your original cable. That may not last long term, but here it's free. If they wanted us to replace the cable, depending on the model, anywhere from 75 to 150, depending on the difficulty of opening that model. But something like this, we wouldn't charge for it. And 99% of the time, just bending the pin back, it'll allow it to last until the end of the life of the computer. We asked Apple to respond to this incident. It's going to cost more than $1,000. To fix it entirely will yeah. cost more than $1,000? Yeah. So and to the widespread allegations of similar corporate behavior. They declined to provide a spokesman, but issued a statement claiming their customers are best served by Apple's certified experts using genuine parts. <laughs> they denied systematically overestimating repair costs. How often do people show up here with uh, the Apple store telling them it can't be fixed or it's too expensive to build? Somewhere between 10 and 30 times a day. Jeez. No kidding. Yeah. At that one location. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, so props to CBC News and the National for, for that uh, investigation, and that's that's really staggering. I mean, we've we've seen it with other types of equipment, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rick and I, we come from a different brand of electronics repair people because we actually learned component-level repair when we, were, when we were electronics tech. Now, um, everything's board swaps. Board replacement. You know, none, none of the manufacturers want to go to component-level repair. No. Nope. Um, you know, it's just, uh, we live in a disposable society now. Well, exactly. So, okay. So let's, let's step back and frame this a little better for, for people. So right now, Apple is facing, um, a little bit of backlash, um, regarding their repair policies. I mean, they don't allow third party repair. Service right. outlets. Yeah. There, there are no third party Apple, you know, service centers. Not authorized ones. Right. Yeah. Um, that there's the twist to the tail. Yeah. Now there are third party authorized service centers. Uh, these third party guys, they, they mean they, they don't have access to parts. They don't even have access to blueprints or schematics. Well, that's, I mean, they, they, they could probably, they could probably find them, but I'm just saying that Apple will not provide parts or schematics to any sort of, you know, third party that they just have none of it. You know, oh, everything okay. has to go through Apple. So they've locked down the, repair you know repair side abilities right um which wouldn't be an issue if it was also coming out that um a lot of times when you take a, a computer that you're having or an iphone or whatever that you're having a problem with back to the to apple they are overestimating the repair or just out and out telling you, you know what, that you would just be better off buying a new a new device. I think the latest generation of the Apple products, the MacBooks and stuff, they actually have a system chip. So if you throw in a third-party hard drive, your device is now dead in the water. Yep. It yep. doesn't recognize it. It has to be an Apple-certified piece of hardware. So 
who owns that piece? Who owns that product? Uh, you know, I've spent eighteen hundred dollars, let's say, on well, a Apple. MacBook. Apple owns it, but you're the you you're the user. But do I not have a right to put in my own Absolute, hard drive? Well, you know, apparently not. Yeah, according to Apple, I don't, unless it's an Apple certified piece of hardware. So again, this comes back to I think monopoly possible good intentions. I mean, I can understand. Absolutely, I can understand this from. Degree. I can I can understand Apple's stance on this to a to a degree where it's like you know what we don't want just anybody fixing the devices apple has always prided themselves and their devices on being rock solid you know you you bought an apple product it was you stable, know it's just it gonna work stable. i'm, I'm yeah. sorry I, I have a problem with that statement they try. if you're That's... going to provide rock solid equipment you need to provide rock solid service in the background. No, I That's agree. That's not rock solid service. Uh, well, no, it's 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 not rock solid service where it's at right now. But what I'm saying is that, looking at this, you know, sort of from a distance, um, I I can see some of their uh, of of this point. It's like you know what we only want people who are authorized. We only want you know we don't want anybody just cracking open the devices and and. Sure. You know, making a, a half-assed repair and then releasing it back out into the wild so that we have, you know, because it, it hurts the brand. It hurts, you know, if people buy something, uh, an Apple product that's used and it doesn't work properly or it's just, you know what I mean? So I guess they've, they've, they've wanted to differentiate themselves with everybody else. I think that's at the core what what the initial idea was, which isn't necessarily bad. The problem is what it what it looks like is happening is that they're really trying to drive the idea of this disposable economy where it's like we want you know or it's like what was what was the term back in back when car manufacturers were first oh planned oh, planned obsolescence right where they would just build in like a life end of expectancy life. end of life for yep. their products so they knew that somebody would have to buy a new one after mm -hmm. a certain amount mm -hmm. of time um Apple's, you know, just going full hog on that and being like, you know what, we only want somebody to be able to use their MacBook for like three years, and then we don't, we don't want them to get it repaired. We want them to buy a new one. Uh, We've seen no, that in AT too. Well, hold on, they they don't actually say that. As a matter of fact, if you ask them, and and they have been asked this many times, if they are are doing this, they say no. They they're they're not planning obsolescence, and yet we find out, you know, that they're they're operating system is deliberately slowing down <laughs> older phones for example right and, yes. and they say oh well that's to preserve battery right well okay sure let's go with that because a battery in virtually any device could be replaced um but in, with their product it doesn't matter if you get the battery replaced one they won't do it and two they don't want an unauthorized unauthorized service center to do it but three even if you replace that battery it's it, the phone's still slow because still their slow operating because system has deliberately slowed it down right you know it doesn't it doesn't come back and say oh look you got a new battery and boom let's yeah kick, let's kick the speed back up again so yes they they are doing this um and uh it's, it's um, pretty thinly veiled yeah as well yeah. but it is it is happening yeah now now these two videos um you know we'll we'll include uh links to them in the show notes and you know i encourage anybody to go and watch them because it it takes you through the two different sides of this particular macbook repair you know it, it sort of illustrates you know some shenanigans going on in terms of repairs um 
for Apple products, at least at that particular Apple store. I mean, maybe well, if that's all, the case, all over Apple, the case, Apple needs to be all over that because. Well, who knows? Yeah. You know, I have a hard time believing that's it's that's just just one, one store. I don't think store. so. Yeah, I think that that's I don't think policy so. and, across and the board. The other thing that bothers me about that clip is one says, "Oh, you've spilled more liquid in here," and when in actual fact, as as Louis was saying, any in the high humidity environments, um, those those moisture dots will turn color right they don't they don't tell you that yeah yeah right so and, uh, and where do we have high humidity environments in canada well like toronto montreal right anywhere next to a river right you know it, especially it, in the summer months yeah but it doesn't i mean honestly like if you had spilled liquid all over your device to make all those dots go red like you'd see a lot more than just red dots. Well, yeah, yeah. you would see water damage in there. You'd see scorch yeah. marks. You'd Rick, see. how many times have you opened a device and seen liquid in there? A few, you know, yeah. one, one or two. And it's one yeah, and, and I'm sure it's no problem to you know you're not, you're not going oh the, the 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 red dot indicators have gone off. You know you open it up and be like oh my god, yeah, there's like, snot in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you can, can tell, you can tell when somebody has spilled water over. Oh yeah, absolutely. As as absolutely opposed to these you can things tell. just going off because of humidity. Yeah. So. You know, there, there's some obvious... Oh, there's fur growing around this transformer. I wonder how long it's been damp. <laughs> so now the question is, and there's there's a little bit of backlash building about this. There's a, a right to repair movement that is going forward of, you know, uh, press, trying to pressure Apple to be more um, open with with the with parts and with schematics and with the ability of, of third uh, third party service centers to operate. Now, I guess the question is, um, you know, and, and from a consumer, like from a consumer point of view, um, when you buy a device like this, it should be your right, should it not, to be able to repair that device in any way that you see fit. It's your, it's your MacBook. Once Apple's not seeing it that way. Apple is sort of maintaining that, you know, that MacBook is still theirs, even though you've bought it. You do not have the right to open that thing and to repair it or to modify it or anything else. And I'm okay with that up until the warranty expires. You know, abs. Ah, yeah. there's the twist to the tail. Yeah. Right. If I was looking at a PRC device or a Saltillo device or uh, any any of the other devices that have an operating system, up until the warranty expires. It goes to an authorized service center and it is fixed appropriately. It is returned so that it, it's operating like it's supposed to be operating and you can't crack the case. It's that simple. Well, didn't I thought I read somewhere that that Apple actually uses proprietary screws. You, um, you can. There's no such thing as a proprietary screw. You can get okay. into that. You can okay. get into them. Okay. Yeah. You know, the other the other part of it is Apple is framing this as a reliability issue and and, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, we're we're more reliable because we're we're factory authorized. Well, that's not necessarily true um, that that, you know, yes, there can be flaky fly by night places, but Apple is just as capable of doing a hash repair themselves. Um, 
Oh, and, not if they're replacing and, complete components. Well, but but Apple products have no greater reliability. Oh no 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 than no no any other no because I mean they're, they're the market, using components that they're just putting their hand in a bin and pulling them out and exactly tagging they're, them down to a board. They're no better quality. I've, I've I've looked into this before. I wrote an article about it a few years back about uh, you know the Apple reliability myth. They are not more reliable than other computers. No. Um, but on the flip side of this, when I had an iPhone. I had a problem with mine. I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but I went into an Apple store, and they went, "Oh," and they handed me another iPhone. Wow! They didn't ask me about when I bought that iPhone. They didn't. They didn't grill me or anything. They just took my iPhone, handed me another one, and said, "There you go." And I had. The I same. was. I was so impressed. Known issue. But how long ago was that? Oh, this was. Uh, how long have I been Android? It's at least six. To eight years ago, I guess. Yeah. See, and I'm but just see, wondering even, if... Even more recently, I just want to throw this in. I had an Apple TV third generation that just locked up on me, froze. I wouldn't work anymore. And this was like a year, year and a half ago. And I took it to the Apple store in Coquitlam. And again, he plugged it into his system. He couldn't bring it back to life. He gave me another one. You know, no questions asked. Okay. If it was under warranty, anything, I walked out with a new Apple TV. You know? Yeah. So I... You, you wonder about some of the, I mean, obviously this, this is a particular case that's been you know, documented, but, mm -hmm. but is this really the rule or is this the exception? And, you know, cause I, in, in my experience, Apple repair has generally been pretty good, but this is a terrible example. You know, and maybe again, it depends on the device, you know, maybe a dollar value associated with it. It's just not <laughs> worth, you know, well, that's, that's, it open up. that's what I was thinking. But I mean, with Steve's, Steve's iPhone but, is. Was it a known issue with the model? Oh, okay. We'll just replace it if any come in. Well, but that, but also, I mean, that that's great if if your device is under warranty, if it if the warranty is still valid. They never they never asked me. Nope. They could probably see that though, do they not? Because every whenever you buy There's an Apple product at a register, they know exactly when that warranty. Soon as soon as they plug it in. As soon as they plug it in. And that's the key. Like, how long is an is is the Apple warranty on, on if you buy a MacBook? Does anybody know? Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Couldn't tell you. I'm but not an Apple two, user. Maybe it's say it's two, three years. Once you're outside that warranty, um, I think it's one year unless you buy Apple Care. Right, and there was an example of somebody who had bought an iPhone. And there were dolly values associated with you know, repairs of a cracked screen, or no, it was the the watch, the Apple Watch. Um, examples of re cost repairs of an Apple Watch screen versus just replacing the screen. And if you had Apple Care, and if you didn't have Apple Care, you know, if you have Apple Care, it'll replace the screen twice. But after that, you know, then you're paying. I think it was like two ninety nine to get the screen replaced when you can buy a new one for you know three ninety nine or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. right. So you know, is Apple Care worth it in the long run? It's, sure. For some people, yes. You know. I mean. I guess I guess this is what you have to I mean because obviously they probably have a great warranty system right where they'll just they I mean they won't hesitate to to replace something as long as it's under warranty yada yada but what about all the people out there who've had their MacBooks for two three years um, and it and it stops working and they need they need a repair that's that's an out of warranty repair this is where this this all becomes an issue yeah um. So there is a website called iFixit that... Mm -hmm. um, well, they kind of open devices up and look at how easy or 
accessible they are for repair. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they they are, you know, a big a big component in this right to repair movement and they're they're being very vocal about the discrepancy between how easy it is for a repair to take place as opposed to, you know, Apple saying, "Oh, you know what? You you need to just replace the device." Apple's I think it's I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Apple's preference in terms of of repair is to to get somebody to just buy a new device which isn't in everybody's budget not only that i think that it's i mean there's also a you know an ecological component to this you know uh, we we can't live in a disposable economy Mm -hmm. anymore um we we you know the landfills are getting filled with with enough shit um we don't need to be adding you know broken macbooks that could be repaired but you know aren't and I know that Apple's side of it will be like, well, you know what? We encourage, you know, we will recycle any sort of Apple product. And they will. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's, you know, you, we can't just, this brings it back to, to AT and, you know, and the, the, the great accessibility that Apple brings to their products and the people that use it, they're not cheap. They're not cheap products. People who are on limited incomes that, that buy a MacBook Pro, that's a huge, <coughs> huge buy for them. They can afford to to be rebuying their iPhone or their MacBook every few years because there's no viable repair solution for them. Um, this is why I think it's important for us to be talking about this. You know, we didn't want to have the show where we're just we're just crapping on Apple for for an hour. Um, these are important consumer issues, um, and it's it's important for everybody, including us, because again, if Apple gets away with this. Um, you know, Microsoft, Google, yeah, who, who follows suit, yeah, Samsung. You know, they're not that far behind. Yeah. the The thing I found most disturbing about that story was the red dots. the The fact that that the guy was saying, "Oh, because you've got those red dots, we've got to replace everything." Mm-hmm. Right. And and that really one, there was no replacement. That, that's required a that's a corporate policy. Yeah. You but, can be guaranteed that's coming from corporate. Yeah. So, oh, the locator, the uh, moisture uh, dots are are, are uh, tripped. Yeah, you, you can't trust that board. Yeah. So if 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 those dots get tripped by humidity, yep, um, you're replacing perfectly good components. That's yep. right. Yeah. yeah, and if they're not perfectly good components, then Apple hasn't done a very good job building that unit to be able to stand up to basic <laughs> humidity. So it's you know. It, it puts the end user in a really untenable position when they go to uh, an Apple store if they live in a humid environment because that means that pretty much every time they go into that store, they need to replace a motherboard. Yeah. Well, and as an average computer user, like, you, how would you know? What, Either that what or the get them is. to op- open it when open you it buy it and you. throw some silica gel in it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Compare this to any other product that's out on the market right now. Like, let's let's compare it to a car. If this happened when you took your car into a garage, uh, people would freak out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely freak out. <clears throat> but it's Apple. For some reason, people are okay with it. People are okay with it. People people will defend their right to do this, and I, I, it's it's maddening. It's it's just silly because they're they're hosing people is what it boils down to. Well, and it makes you wonder how long this has really been going on. This issue could have been around for 10 years and really now it's just starting to get 
you know, some pushback and some, some media coverage uh, that this is going on. Well, and I think it comes part and parcel with Apple pushing back against the small repair guys, you know, not allowing them to get parts, you know, making sure that their parts are so specific that, you know, you can't use a third party replacement. You know, let's face it, a hard drive is a hard drive. And it used to be that Apple used to just have, what, Seagate hard drives in them, I think. But not now. They have kill switches built in. So, yeah, but now they've got a special hard drive with a kill switch so that you can't actually put in a different drive. Unless it's an Apple drive. Yeah. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. So, you know, I could spend 60 bucks on a hard drive, or I could spend whatever Apple's charging me for an Apple drive. And I guarantee you it's going to be more expensive. Considerably. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not going to be any better quality. Well, three times the difference I would bet. Potentially it could be better quality than maybe a really cheap replacement. But you could actually go and buy (laughs) a higher quality drive and put it into an Apple product were it not for that kill switch. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because from what I was reading you know, Apple's not the only the only the only company that's doing this, no. and they they sort of gave examples from you know appliances, a lot of appliances these days, stoves yep. and stuff. Um, they have built-in measures that make it pretty much impossible for for a third-party repair person to come in and, and fix it because it's either they're either parts that only the manufacturer will will uh, sell. Um, or it's just like completely built-in, locked-down systems that that the a third somebody who's third-party wouldn't be able to access. Well, I'm fortunate I haven't run into that yet. I don't know what's what's the other flip side of this. You know, is there is there a is there a defense for Apple in this? No. I think you got to give consumers <laughs> choice. Well, I guess we have choice. You can not buy from Apple if you want. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that is the choice. Sure, but I mean, granted. Put yourself in the in in the in this place of somebody who has um, some sort of a even of an impairment, and they know that Apple has the best um, accessibility mm-hmm. features of of any of the manufacturers. Which let's let's be honest, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, head and shoulders, an Apple product is going to be more accessible out of the box than any <coughs> other device. Mm-hmm. Out of the box being the operational phrase there, you know, because it you know if you if you look at the cost of an Apple product, um, you can buy a comparable laptop in the PC world and a screen reader for about the same price. Mm-hmm. So you you are paying a premium for that accessibility. Make make no mistake. So it's tough. I mean, it's not it's not necessarily always realistic, I guess, to just say, well, you just shouldn't buy Apple. Just, just, buy, just buy, just buy a, a, you know. I think you just need to go in with your eyes open. Do your homework. If it's I, the right device for you, then by all means, buy Apple. But, but any product you're buying, do some research. Find out what repair costs might be. Whether it's a, you know, Lenovo PC, HP, Mac, whatever. You know, just do a bit of research and find out where repair costs might be down the road. You know, I guess you know what what I want to avoid in this is you know I don't I don't we don't certainly don't mean to demonize Apple. Um, because it's not like any other major, you know, technology manufacturer is going to be would would behave any differently, and or has behaved any differently. Um, it's just, I think, the importance of these of these stories coming out and and for there to be a little bit of pushback against these is that uh, some of this stuff is anti-consumer. I, I think mm-hmm. at the, at the at the end of the day. Well, I was going to say let's go back to you know Steve's car analogy. You know, let's say you buy a Subaru Forester. You don't have to always take it back to Subaru for service. No, you no, know, you don't. You've got choices. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the important part, I think, is that is is to have those options open to the consumer. Now, whether or not this right to repair movement is, is going to gain any traction or whether or not Apple is going to take a, a second look at some of this stuff because they are starting to get a little bit of, uh, of bad press over it, I guess time will tell. Well, I think I think you made a really good point earlier. Uh, this this right to repair thing has to gain some traction, because otherwise, our purely consumer driven society is going to sink our planet. So, yeah, I mean, we can't we can't live in a disposable you know disposable economy. It's just not it. We have to re- we have to recycle. We have to. And I mean, honestly, if you buy a MacBook, you should be able to use that thing until you can't. Do you use can't it get parts anymore? anymore. Um, and in the U.S., that's five years, right? And manufacturers are supposed to be able to support their products for five years. After warranty. A- after warranty? I believe so, yeah. Okay. You know, we could we could talk for hours about this for sure. And, th- you know, there's an add-on to this story, too, that just came out recently, which is um, Amazon... <laughs> Right, Amazon now re- has just terminated all their third-party Apple resellers for refurbished Apple devices. Right. So, oh, right. They they did a deal with Apple to yeah. be able to sell Apple branded stuff, but the the price to do so was to turf all these other guys who were selling used Apple stuff. Right. What? The, wait, no. Wait, no. Back up. Basically, Amazon has been negotiating with Apple for some time to be able to sell Apple products on the Amazon platform. They want to be able to sell Apple. Apple has resisted to this point, but they finally struck an agreement. Amazon will be able to sell new Apple products, but they won't be allowed to sell any used Apple products. So they had to turf all of their guys who are on the Amazon platform selling used Apple or refurbished Apple, okay. or recycled, or recovered. Okay. Like, you know. <clears throat> now, yeah. So I don't know what. Like, what, what's the? What are the far-reaching implications of that? Like, how many? How many people were actually selling refurbished devices on on Amazon? Do you think? I have no idea. I would no. say I don't know, but I would guess a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it worldwide, there's probably a ton of them. But Amazon's a big company. Yeah. And that's a big platform to all of a sudden get the the rug yanked out from under you. So if you're somebody who wants to buy a refurbished um, Apple product to save a few bucks, good luck. Where are you going to get it? Yeah, you have to go to Apple. Is Apple going to sell it? Or are they? Gonna- <laughs> no, they're not going to sell refurbished. <laughs> no, 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 of course no, no, not. No, no, of course not. There no, not a chance. So does this essentially takes the whole refurbished Apple product market out of play? Well, I think on Apple's website, I think they do have reconditioned. I think you can buy reconditioned. Hmm. Which sounds like a fancy word for refurbished. Right. Now, I don't know if it's only specific models or specific years, but I believe I've seen that somewhere. And you got to know that if it's from Apple, it's going to be a premium price for what you're getting. A yeah, refurbished, so. A refurbished Apple product from the Apple store is going to sell for a lot different price point than uh, a refurbished Apple product from Amazon. So Guaranteed. I get, you know, I guess the next question is what's going to happen to eBay? Are they next? I don't think so because eBay is more of a, you know, an open marketplace. But so is Amazon. They've got third-party mm. sellers. Yeah, but eBay is more user to user, right? That's a little different. Like that's just you deciding, "Hey, I'm going to f- sell my iPhone." No, but although, there's third-party sellers on eBay now. It's not true. just user to user. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think So that, maybe the people from Amazon hop over to eBay. 
Maybe. Well, maybe. they probably will. Maybe Absolutely. there's. Maybe there'll be more. But that's probably the last vestige. That's the last. Yeah. Craigslist. Yeah, that's oh, true. No. Kijiji. <laughs> true. Yeah. But it's making it certainly making it harder for for those guys to sure. sell their product. Yeah. You know. Tinder, let's have a hookup and I'll sell you an iPhone. <laughs> Actually, that's an interesting idea. Like a, a, Tinder, a Tinder-like app except for, 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 for products, for refurbished products. electronics. Swipe left if you want yeah. iPhone, swipe right if you want Macs. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so Apple's going through some stuff right now. Their share of the laptop market has dropped by almost 25%. They're... What is it? The MacBook, MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro Air have, have the, their their release has been delayed. Yeah, the which, iPhones aren't selling like they had thought they were. They were going to. Now you know my my take on this all and all of this is, I I don't think that really reflects anything against Apple or the brand or or the quality of their product. No, devices last longer. Uh, yeah, I think that just you know, I don't it, replace a laptop every year. I think back built to built-in obsolescence. I, I but I think back to the PC market. There was a time where you would be upgrading your your PC every few years, or at least you were up. You were you were upgrading There's the components. Key. There's the key is upgrading. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, like, and after a while, it got the technology got to a point where even a mid-range computer with with mid-range parts could pretty much do everything that you wanted to do you know you no longer needed to have the most um state-of-the-art um hardware to to do all the stuff that, that you wanted to do unless so, you're a gamer and even then even gaming has it, it's it's way better now like i you know so i think that that it's it's a lot like that. It, it you know uh, the smartphones have gotten to that point. You don't need the shiniest, brightest iPhone every year or every couple years in order to do everything you need it to do. Your you know three four year old phone, you know, just lasts longer in terms of usability. And so I think that this idea that um, you know people just need to to get new devices every few years is just tapering off do you have people this? don't have that feeling mm -hmm. you know i don't think this is a fault of apple i don't think that that the the shine is necessarily coming off the products they're still good products you know they're still great um you know they, they have great accessibility components to it all of that is is in place it's just the market's changing they're they it's not a lock like it used to be for apple and i think that some of this stuff is just they're kind of panicking right now well, you know, they're they're down a long ways from where they once were. Um, you know, they've just dropped to uh, what's the article say? They dropped a fifth yeah. uh, in in terms of computers shipped last year, uh, which was a, a pretty pretty decent decline. They 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 lost uh, ten point four percent in the third quarter uh, of twenty seventeen, and another seven point nine percent in. Uh, uh, the third quarter 2018 yeah they you know they so are they are sliding and the 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 reason that people speculate that they're sliding is because uh, their their computers just didn't take that step forward that, that right. consumers wanted to see they aren't that much better than anybody else on the market and they're pricey and they're pricey like really pricey yeah 
And I think that they're beginning to realize that that price point is starting to to bite them, to hurt them. Um, You know, for the longest time, people were willing to pay more for an Apple product because it was an Apple product. And it was, you know, there was all these these perks of of buying the, the most recent generation of any given Apple product. Um, people aren't feeling that way anymore. So Apple is going to need to react to that. And we already have seen that in some degrees. Look at the, the iPhone 10. You know, they, they released that. Um, and there was, uh, there was a little bit of blowback from the price point. And they ended up, what, what's the watered-down version of the, the uh, iPhone 10, right? The new one, the X, XR. <laughs> right. You know, that wasn't, initially, I don't think they were, that was not on the, in the plan for them. But so, I mean, they've had to like realize that, okay, well, maybe we need some, you know. Mid-range stuff. Exactly. Well, I think we're going to reach a point here, I'm hoping at least in the next two to three years, where Google, you know, Apple, I can't really say Motorola so much because they've got a wide variety of phones, but devices are going to have a price adjustment. You know, who there's not many of us who are even, you know, full-time employed can afford a $1,300, $1,400 phone. No. And, you know, honestly, subsidizing on two-year contracts is okay, but then you're locked in and you can't change, and if you want to change, it costs you more, and, you know, it's, it's frustrating. So I'm hoping that it's going to adjust. Well, but you the, see, the reality is that the adjustment that's likely to happen on the short term here is that those prices are going to go up because of the uh, trade war that's right. uh, been started with China. Right. right. You know, yeah. all of these all of these products are manufactured right. over there. If there's a premium that's slapped on them as a tariff, then uh, right. you know, prices go recoup. up. Yeah. Plus, you know, the the US uh, economy is starting to slow. The uh, you know, we're starting to see declines in their their uh, stock market which could mean, you know, the currency gets devalued against the Chinese uh, currency, in which case it goes up further. Right. So, you know, we, we could see some major uh, shifts going in the wrong direction on these things. Well, and I, I think that, you know, going forward, hopefully what's not going to happen is that Apple is going to have to focus a lot of their energies on how to deal with, with this changing, these changing trends. I don't know, maybe they don't quite they don't put quite as much energy into accessibility solutions or accessibility innovations that they once did. Now that's yeah, a bit maybe, of a, maybe they cut back their research and development costs. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's a bit of a grim uh, forecast, and I certainly hope I'm I'm wrong about that. Um, you know, Apple. You know, and I want to put put some positive spins on on Apple because they have been accessibility innovators for for years and if it wasn't for apple and what they what they did um, we wouldn't we wouldn't see uh accessibility across all these other devices either yeah true um so you know they're important and that's why this stuff is important it's important for to for for them to be called on some of this stuff because at the end of the day the important part is that um for for end users who need accessibility solutions in, in these devices, um, the, the, the devices need to be affordable. There needs to be affordable repair options available to them. Um, we, you know, you can't, you can't expect people on limited incomes uh, to be purchasing new MacBooks every, you know, every few years. And 
when when they have a device like this that has these accessibility solutions that are so important for people on a day-to-day basis not having that device all of a sudden because whatever a pin bent um you know and you having to spend twelve hundred dollars on a repair at the apple store that's not that's not a viable solution for a lot of people no so i think the you know when you when you talk about their their innovation around accessibility that was it was innovation in general that made apple the name it is you know it was always being on the cutting edge of new technologies always being a market leader in terms of different aspects of the market you know um being the first to market with with new and innovative products they they don't seem to be doing that anymore they right. don't seem yeah. to be able to to capture the interest of the of the market like they once did and that's either because they're falling down on on their own innovation or other manufacturers are getting better at it and i think it's actually a bit of both i think that there's a bit of a crisis of leadership at, at apple right now um you know i don't think they're being driven to to really take chances and 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 try and advance the market in in new and innovative ways um and i think at the same time a lot of the other guys are are getting wise yeah that's de- i mean that's definitely a possibility i mean i i guess the f- the flip side of that though is that it could very well be that there hasn't really been much innovation in the terms of accessibility mainly because what else is left to do um you know a lot of the the big major um accessibility solutions are already all built in i mean they've got newer things like live listen which uh you're able to use the airpod um wireless earbuds that come with apple products to you know to get some noise cancellation for people who are hard of hearing um, you know, they have the magnifier, they have voiceover, they have, you know, uh, Braille support built into uh, the device. There, switch, there's switch support, switch, yep. switch support. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that they, they've got built in. You know, what's, you know, maybe what's left to innovate. That could be the slowdown in innovation as well. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say. You know, it could very well be that they're just, their energies are, are, are being fed into other, new stre- other projects. Their new streaming platform coming out next year. <laughs> But, you know, it's a, I would assume that it's a bit of a scary time for Apple right now. A lot of bad press, um, a lot of things coming out into the open that I'm sure they would have preferred not to, um, and just a, a slowdown in, in innovation, I think, is all combining to... And a trade war. And, and that doesn't help, too. It's got to be rocky at the top, for sure. So this could be, a, you know, a, a big opportunity for other manufacturers to really step up and you know, improve what they're doing and improve their innovation and catch up to Apple. And, and that could be what very well what happens. Well, we're seeing that with Microsoft. You know, more and more people I'm seeing on Twitter are, are making a switch to Narrator because it is now a good screen reader. It can do web browsing. It can do email. It supports Braille displays. It has switch access, you know. Do you really need to buy a Mac? No, unless you want voiceover. You know, you've got Narrator right out of the box. Yeah, and you can get a comparable... Um, powered machine for a lot less money yeah and therefore you can replace it two three years down the road and not feel you're breaking the bank yeah well and you can you know throw this back back at the room again but you can replace your own hard drive and not have a kill switch built into the hardware yeah you know 
You know, there's there's advantages to both. And this is this and disadvantages. And but. this may be more and more what consumers look at when they're faced long term. Do what what ecosystem do I step into? Yeah. Well, and I think we're coming to a point now where we're seeing that with the digital assistants. Am I in the Google camp? Am I in the Amazon Echo camp? You know, with your um, home automation devices, am I going with Philips Hue lights? Or am I going with you know X Y Z lights? You know, I think we're in a different environment now where people are still trying to figure out if an ecosystem is actually where they want to be. The nice thing with the digital assistants is you can pick and choose what third-party devices you want to use with your digital assistant. You're not locked into, oh, I can only buy Google products or I can only buy Amazon products. Right. So At the moment. Right. Yeah. And right now that's a Wild West, but maybe, you know. Maybe that's the way Apple needs to look at things is let's start opening things up a little more. I think it's going to be a very interesting time for Apple because I think they've got some choices to make. Um, you know, whether or not they just kind of try to bulldoze through this. And, you know, this new deal that they've struck with Amazon lends me to think that they're just going to try to bulldoze their way through this. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be changing their policies anytime soon. No. I mean, I could be wrong about that. That's just, you know, my gut feeling. Um, and that bums me out because, I mean, I listen, I, I'm all about the consumer. I think that everybody should have their choice. I think that if they want to buy an Apple product and be completely happy and thrilled with their product and have great accessibility, I, I think that's awesome, you know. But listen, if you're if you're going to, you know, require your your customers to to be repurchasing um, product, you know, after a few years or ridiculously overcharge them for repairs, that's a problem. And that's, that's not friendly to the consumer at all. And, uh, that's what I see as the biggest thing going forward here. I, you know, innovation and all that, I don't, you know, I don't, it's not, it's not important, especially from, you know, an assistive technology point of view, uh, you know, we want, uh, devices in people's hands that makes their lives easier um, and for for you know a price point that they can afford that everybody can afford you know that's the ideal here um, and <coughs> as it stands right now Apple is just not looking like that's where they're at yeah yeah that'd be true so all right smart have up we, Apple have we beaten this to death we, we have <laughs> yeah yeah, I'd say we've killed. This I think one. it's time yeah. to wrap this one up. Yeah, I do. I do. I just, I, I want to. I don't know. I kind of want to end on a positive note, though. I mean, somebody who's who's an okay, Apple well, fan let, that's out watch. there that's listening to this is going to be like, oh, here we go again. We're going to get, we're going to get more hate mail. Well, I will give Apple some credit here because earlier, I think it was earlier this year, Apple finally allowed Amazon to install their instant video, their Prime Instant Video app, on the Apple TV. So I'm not just locked into stuff from Apple or Apple apps. I can install Amazon Instant Video and use my Prime subscription to watch Amazon content. Yeah, but so. yeah, I wonder why that happened. <laughs> mm. Could it be the new deal between... No, this happened, like I said, earlier this year or last yeah. year. Yeah, it's all part and parcel. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to say, but you know, they, they loosened that up a little bit. I, well, I don't know. I'm a little bit okay. Yeah, I know you're trying to end on a positive note, and here I am. Shut up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> shut up. That's a positive note. Yes. There we go. You know no, what? It, Apple makes good stuff. They do. They they absolutely do. They've always been industry innovators. 
Well, and people who buy Apple products love their Apple products. Absolutely. You know, people who buy Windows products are typically people that look, who are looking for productivity tools. And, you know, with Windows, you kind of know what you're going to get, right? Windows has come a long way in stability and reliability <laughs> as an operating system. It, well, except 1809, the October except update. Their, all their updates. <laughs> well, on your computer. But, you know, pretty much when you buy an Apple product, you kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, it's very true. And, you know, and, and don't worry, uh, we could do a similar episode on Microsoft and we could talk for two hours about all the crap with Microsoft. Well, um, I think you know, will. no manufacturer is, you know, above reproach no. at all. So, um, you know, but it's important. There's a lot of people out there that depend on Apple products. And these issues that are coming to light are important for them. And that's kind of why we wanted to do this show. We're fighting for you. Well, we're bickering for you. True. Kind of. This will but have it, no it's real a, effect on It's your important lives. for people to know. Yeah, it is. I mean, if they're it going is. to be making a long-term decision. Well, I'm putting out two grand for a MacBook. A, a long-term yeah. financial decision. Yeah. Um, you know, it's important for them to know that this is what's happening in the background. And, you know, if something happens in two years, you might be forking out another two grand. Right. Exactly. So don't send us hate mail. That's what, yes, that's the point. We, we're very sensitive. No, Rob's very sensitive. Send us all the mail you want. <laughs> you, you can send us any mail you want. These guys always forget to forward it to me. So I never see it. I, I didn't. So, I just assumed you never read it. Hate, hate on. Just carry on. <laughs> I forwarded Rob an email and he doesn't even bother reading it today. Which one? Uh, somebody left us a comment. On yeah, I saw that. I, I I couldn't. I was on the train. I couldn't. Um, uh, okay. I couldn't um, approve that comment. Uh, okay. Until I get home. All right. Hey Ryan. Hey Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email, uh, though as long as it's not hate mail, to uh, <laughs> atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. And we will read your hate mail. We'll read it, but then we'll cry. In <laughs> Shift delete. <laughs> it's going to the ether. Hey, did you know you can also find the uh, AT Banter podcast on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram? That's right. And uh, you can find us on pretty much any podcast app under the sun. I don't think we've left any off. There might be a few, but... What, what's the uh, email address we use for hate mail? ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Wait, no, for hate mail is Steve <laughs> at Canada.com is uh, where you send all the hate mail and then all the positive email you would send to ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Send all hate mail to I Kick Puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Charmaine. You got to leave her out of this. All right, guys, is that going to about do it for us? Anything we missed? Talking Wrap about? her up. No, I think we're uh, good. All right. Big thanks to Rick Chan for joining us today. It's good to have you back. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.